How's everyone? Besides plugging your ears, because that's screaming loud. All right, so keeping with tradition, Proverbs. We read Proverb every morning, right? Proverbs 21, 30. Human plans, no matter how wise or well-advised, can stand against the Lord. Sound good? Human plans, no matter how wise or well-informed, can stand against the Lord. Ask Jonah about that one. It's the story of Jonah, right? Jonah and the whale. Jonah decided he was going to go do his own thing. God told him, go to the town of Nineveh and, and, and tell them, I'm going to kill them. And Jonah said, I don't like them. I'm going the other way. And he went away, and the bad news was he got swallowed by a big fish. We all know the story, right? Good news is he got out of that thing because it would be terrible to still be in there. Yes. So, yeah, uh, Pastor Terry asked me to come and, and share with you uh, some things that were on my heart, and uh, I soiled myself quickly. After, after cleaning up, I called Terry on the phone and said I would be... Terribly fearful to do that. But yes, I will. So I've got a chair here. Uh, for those of you who don't, who don't know me, uh, a few years ago, a doctor came to me and he said, you have an incurable nervous system disorder. And I went, what? That's crazy. So if at any point during this message, I just happen to fall over at random, just turn to the person beside you and say, it's okay, he just does that. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen with me up here. You just never know. Come on a Tuesday night, you'd be, you'd be surprised. Strange and unusual thing. So anyway, grab your Bible, flip it open. Genesis chapter 7 That's where we're reading. Let's pray. Very spiritual prayer. God help us. Amen. All right, where are we at here? Genesis chapter 7. This may or may not be the translation of the Bible you have. If it's not, this one's correct. Yours is wrong. Take it back to the store. Get a refund. <laughs> Finally, the day came when the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with your family, for among all the people of the earth, I've considered you alone to be righteous. Take along seven pairs of each animal that I have approved for eating, and for sacrifice, take one pair of each of the others. Then select seven pair of every kind of bird. There must be a male and a female, each pair, to ensure that every kind of living creature will survive the flood. One week from today, I will begin 40 days and 40 nights of rain. And I will wipe from the earth all living things I have created. So Noah did exactly as the Lord had commanded him. Story of Noah's, Noah and the ark, right? We, we've all heard this story. I won't ask for a show of hands, but if you've never heard this story before, you're probably not here today. I mean, everybody's heard this from the time they were born, right? And most, most parents don't even know how to tell their kids the story. They just kind of make it up as they go. Two animals and a boat and a guy named Noah. And it was cool and, and was probably something like, like this, right? This is, this is what was in, in your mind when you're sharing with your kids the story of Noah's ark. This is the same image that every child has had in their head since 
two days after Noah landed on Mount Ararat, probably, and began sharing the story. I mean, this is, it's, it's a happy thing, Noah's Ark, right? Well, let me, let me read a few, other, a few other things about Noah's Ark. We're jumping backwards. I want to I wanna preface the story of Noah's Ark. This is uh, chapter 6, verse, verse uh, let's see here. So let's we'll go in verse 9. This is the history of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only, only blameless man living on earth at the time. He consistently followed God's will and enjoyed a close relationship with him. Isn't that, isn't that good stuff? I mean, this guy had, had a consistent, constant relationship with God. And if we remember anything about the Noah's Ark story, this should be the important part. As, as non-believers, as, as the rest of this world knows this story, it, it's, about a, it's about a boat with animals and, and Noah. And for Christians, the part of Noah's Ark that should really strike home to us is this part. It's this part about the relationship that Noah had with God. If we boil down Christianity to, to, down to its finest, this is what it's about. It's about a consistent relationship with Father God, right, through Christ, right? It's no longer animal sacrifice. It's through Christ, right? And that's, that's, what, that's what we're all about as Christians, as believers. We're, we're all about a relationship, an intimate relationship with Father God. Now, the earth had become corrupt. This is verse 11. In God's sight, and it was filled with violence, right? This is why the whole flood thing happened. And so God tells Noah, make a boat, verse 14, from resinous wood and seal it with tar in and out and construct decks and stalls throughout the interior. Make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Construct it with an opening all the way around the boat, 18 inches below the roof, and put three decks inside the boat, bottom, middle, and upper, and put a door on the side, right? So this is probably a, a little more of what it would have looked like. This guy over in uh, somewhere by Sweden decided he was going to take this mass amount of money that he had and build a life-size replica of what we think the ark may have looked like and over in the Netherlands. So this guy, he builds this ark, and it's a, it's a tourist attraction. And inside of it, he's got all sorts of awesome pictures. If you do a quick Google search, you can find this thing, right? But in the description of, uh, that, that God gave Noah of how to build this thing and the dimensions and the size, did you notice that nowhere did he say, and place a steering wheel at the bow of the ship so that you can head it in any direction you want to go? No, he didn't. God's driving the boat. Right? That's an important thing for us to know. Noah was not in control of this thing. The pretty picture that we see of, of, of rainbows and flowers and, and all sorts of pretty stuff about Noah's Ark, I imagine was very far from the reality of what the, the true experience that Noah and his family went through was like. Picture this. You're sitting in church one day, and God tells you in your heart, or however spiritual way you want to hear from the Lord. Go home. I'm going to wipe out the earth. I want you to build a spaceship in your backyard, half the size of the mall. <laughs> I mean, that's going to sit weird with you. And it probably did with Noah. 
But Noah went home and he began to construct this, this, this massive vessel. And this is an ark. This is not a boat, people. An ark is something that, that is, is like a capsule. It's a containment unit. A boat, you drive it. A boat, you, you have a direction and a, 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 you know where you're going. This thing, uh-uh. This is get inside and pray. Because <laughs> you're going to need to a lot. So Noah's on this thing and... and Imagine Noah, you're Noah's neighbor, man. You're looking over the fence. Hey, Noah, what you building over there? You know, an ark? Hmm. You know, it'd be fine for the first, like, I don't know, 10 years when it's this high. But when the thing starts taking shape, you're like telling your wife, we got to sell the property, honey, because property values are going to be going down real soon. Because yeah, that thing's getting bigger and bigger, right? And you're putting for sale signs in your yard. Some of you getting crazy. Yeah, Noah's Ark, man. I, I love the story of Noah's Ark. Um, we know Noah because of his faith. We know the story of Noah's Ark, but the, the real thing, the real story behind Noah's Ark is, is that Noah had a tremendous faith in God because of the relationship that he had with God. I shared this with you guys a couple of months ago, but nowhere in Scripture did God promise a smooth flight smooth waters in life. And this may, I, I may be upsetting some of you. This may go against your theology. This may go against what you, what you learned in church, but I'm here to tell you, nowhere in Scripture does it promise a smooth flight. God promises a safe landing. And there's going to be rough stuff that happens in life. And this, just like Noah, man, there, there, was, there was some rough things that took place, rough waters in his life. And, and I've experienced some rough waters. Who's experienced some rough waters before? Right? we all have in one shape or another. And I imagine the Noah on that ark, while that boat, that, that ark was, was tossing around in this water and he had no idea what was going to be happening from that point forward. And it probably stunk like crazy that, that his trust in God was going to carry him to a place. And I'm sure that there were some seriously restless nights aboard that, that thing, aboard that, massive creation that God floated on top of the water to save humanity with. Anybody ever had rest, restless nights? I had, I had a restless night. Um, seven years ago, I had a restless night. I woke up uh, kind of in, in, in sweats, and I was in not, not wearing sweats. Those are weird, not the sweats, but sweats. <laughs> I was like, well, what do you mean, sweats? Were they gray? Were they the sporty sweats with the line on the side? Adidas? No, uh-uh. Nothing, nothing that cool. And I was actually wearing the same clothes I'd probably been wearing for about, I don't know, three days. And I woke up in a hospital bed, and it was a, a dark room that uh, about an hour, two hours earlier, I crawled into this, this room. I just went and found an empty room in a hospital uh, that uh, well, there was a metal bed and a sheet on top of metal. And I went and just crawled inside of it and, and covered up, hoping that I would be able to get just a, just a couple hours of sleep. Uh, the day that day um, was, was intense. Uh, my wife gave birth to our, our first daughter. And uh, congratulations, yeah, it was a good time, yeah. Um, things didn't go as smooth as, as we thought that they would. And I went to the hospital thinking, we're going to leave with an awesome uh, little, little healthy baby. And, and what I found out was that wasn't necessarily going to be the case. And I remember earlier that morning, uh, I was, they, they were doing a delivery and, and trying to sum this up as quick as possible. Uh, the nurse 
I was watching this monitor, and I'm watching the monitor, and she turns away from the monitor, and it's a heart rate monitor. It's like ding, 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 and then it goes ding, 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 and I asked the nurse, "Hey, what's what's that thing all about?" And she goes, "Oh, that's the baby's heart rate, heart rate monitor. Uh, you know, if it it looks like it's doing good, if it if it goes down here, that's bad news." I'm like, oh yeah, like it just did a minute ago, and and she's like, "Well, what do you mean?" And she's watching it, and she's like, "Whoa, we gotta, we gotta do something quick!" And so, emergency C-section time, right? I mean, we were, they were rushing things around like crazy, and things kind of went into a blur. And by the time uh, my brain had kind of come into focus again, I was sitting in an operation room with a baby beside me on a table, my wife unconscious on another table, and the the, the child hadn't had a, had a heartbeat or a breath of air for at least two and a half minutes. And the doctor says to another doctor, should we call it? And my brain is going, what's that even mean? And the other doctor says, yeah. And all of a sudden the first doctor says, oh, I got a heartbeat. And the other doctor goes, oh, great. And so then they started rushing around like crazy doing, doing their, their, their thing. And I don't know if you've ever had a child before, but they have a thing called an APGAR score. Never even heard of this before, before children. An APGAR score measures uh, the competency levels of an infant. You know, are they moving? Do they have a heartbeat? Are they breathing? Are they, are they responding to you tickling their toes? Do they respond to pain? Uh, can they recite the Pledge of Allegiance? Things like that. <laughs> and uh, there was no APGAR score whatsoever for, for several hours, like five, six hours, nothing at all. And so the doctor comes to me and says, we have to rush her to, a, to the uh, uh, neonatal intensive care unit, something along those lines, over in Tacoma. And so I'm out the door, going to, going to another hospital. And I get another phone call when I get there saying, she's having seizures. We have to do tests. And I'm saying, just do whatever you got to do. Don't waste time calling me. Just do it. And so the, the, the doctor uh, calls later and says, we need to do surgery because she has a, a pool of blood in her head that's putting pressure on things and, and is bad news. Her skull is severely fractured, and there's, there's just all sorts of things going on, traumatic things. And this is 9 o'clock at night by the time we get to the place where they're going to do a surgery. And so I go to this hospital, and I'm, I'm uh, by myself in a, in a mostly empty waiting room, and I'm praying. And... Uh, a pastor from a church that I've been to a couple years ago shows up and he says, hey, uh, felt like the Lord told me to come and pray at the hospital tonight. So we got to pray together. It was really cool. And uh, we began to just pray for my daughter. And, and they were going to, uh, without getting into too graphic detail, have to remove a section of her skull the size of a 50-cent piece and then allow do, do some, some work in there and, and then fix things back up. And as we began to pray... Uh, we were in the waiting room for about 45 minutes, and the doctor comes out, and I remember the only lights, this is a room that uh, was under construction. There was uh, very, I mean, it was like if you had three lights on in here, just real dim, and the doctor comes out, and he says, uh, strangest thing happened. We made an incision in her scalp, and the blood came right out, and her skull that was fractured went, pop, right back to normal where it was supposed to be. And all we had to do was sew it back up. And we expected two hours, three hours of surgery. 
Yeah, praise God, right? Praise God. I mean, it was, it was uh, you know, me and my pastor, ex-previous pastor, we just looked at each other, and we're like, that's Jesus. That's awesome. And then uh, I was like, man, I'm really tired. I'm going to go get some sleep. And uh, decided to, to try to sleep, and that didn't work out too well. Well, um, the next morning, early, got up, and I went downstairs to check on, check on the baby, and uh, she had electrodes hooked all up to her, and, and it just looked like something out of a scary movie. I mean, it was, it was scary looking. And I, I asked the doctor some questions and, and said, well, you know, how long do you think we're going we're gonna to be here? You know, like, like a week? We're going to be out of here soon or what? What's up? And he says, you're probably looking at about six months. She'll probably be here for a, a likely minimum probably six months. And uh, he put his hand on my shoulder and he says, you, you should expect severe deficits. And I was like... I don't have a dictionary with me, but can you, can you define deficit for me? And he basically said, you know, if, what it sounds like, it probably will be. Deficits. Scary time. Scary time. James chapter 1. I'm going to read this to you. I get a kick out of this verse. Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Sometimes I think the guy who wrote that was insane. Because there are times that I have gone through things, and I'm sure you have too, where there's no joy in this. There's, no, there's no, nothing to be gained from this. It's pain, and, and, and it hurts. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about um, three things that have become embedded in my soul about faith over the last oh, seven years of going through some things that I'm sure in the next you know, few years I'll be able to, to share with you some more. But first question is, what is faith? What is believing? What is trusting? It all kind of goes together, Right? Faith, trusting, when we put our faith in God, we're trusting in God, we're believing in God. Hebrews, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. It's the stuff of what we hope for, right? It's, it's, this, it's this thing we can't quite get our hands around, the substance, the stuff of what we're hoping will happen. And the evidence of something we can't see. Most evidence is tangible, right? Most evidence we can wrap our fingers around. But this isn't evidence that we can't get our hands around. This isn't evidence of something that we can't see. This is faith. This is, this is what the, the, the writer of Hebrews says faith is. Let me tell you, believing isn't where it stops. Believing isn't where the power of God is for healing you. Believing and faith are not the power. Are, we, are, we, are, are you hearing me? Believing is not the power. God is the power. 
If I believe I'm Kermit the Frog, and I can say things like, Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. It does not make me Kermit the Frog. I'm not green. I don't eat flies, and I'm not a puppet. If I stand in my garage and I make car noises, and I believe with all my heart that I'm a car, I will not be a car. If I believe for a Ferrari, and I sit in my living room and I pray, oh God, give me a Ferrari, I need one. And I walk out in my garage expecting there to be a Ferrari, there's still not going to be one. The power is not in believing. God may not want me to have a Ferrari anyway, right? But the power is not in the believing. Belief and faith is like this microphone is to you. It's a conduit between me and you. It's so the people in the back row can hear what I'm saying. And they don't get spit on. It's safer for them that way. It's like a phone. You pick it up. You connect with someone. Cell phones, I don't even know how they work yet, but they still connect to people. I'm still, I'm still stuck on corded phones. I mean, that's the way to go. They connect to somebody. Our faith connects us to God. Our faith connects us to the power that God provides in the situations that we need. Faith, and it's, it's, it's connecting to God so that he can, he can move on our behalf. You know, Noah, we, we, uh, we talked about Noah. Then the thing that's profound about Noah's faith is that Noah believed God, period. God told Noah something. Noah said, I'm on it. How big? Yeah, okay. 100 years to build it? No big deal. We'll work on it. Noah believed God because God said it. That ended it. I don't think it even crossed Noah's mind to put a steering wheel on it. He just knew God has this. God has a plan. And because of the proximity and relationship to God that this man had, he knew it would be taken care of. He knew this will be okay. He probably was shaking in his bones when God said, okay, go get on it. In six days, it's going to be crazy wet. I mean, I'm sure there was, there was some sort of something that came over him that was like, here we go. I hope it floats. <laughs> but nevertheless, he believed God. See, we are blessed in a way that Noah wasn't. And here's what I mean. Faith is, is what? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things we can't see. We have an evidence. Our faith, ladies and gentlemen, is based on an evidence. We have an evidence. We're not just left out there in the cold to, to, to figure things out as, as we're figuring our relationship with God out. We have a, a, a Bible that God has given us that is thousands of years of the faithfulness of God. That if we pick it up and read it, we can go, wow, God is faithful here, here, here. We have the testimony of believers 
who have been through things that some of us may not even imagine going through. I just read a book. It's called Faith Like Potatoes. Strange title. Real thin book. We'll floor you. I'd encourage you. If you're in a place where you're like, man, I just, I just don't feel like I have any faith. I just, I just, don't, I just don't know. I haven't heard any testimony. I haven't heard any, anything from other believers. I haven't been in my Bible in a while. I'm going to read this book. It's about this guy who, who, who just started stepping out in faith a little bit at a time, and God just rocked him. So we have, we have a faith. We have an evidence of faith. We have an evidence that we need to fall back on. We have an evidence of other believers' testimonies. We have, we have authors that write things about the, the stories of other believers' lives where, where they have been through the fire of faith testing and come out the other side. We serve a faithful God. We serve a faithful God. Praying. Pray, pray, pray. Praying is funny, man. Praying has become synonymous with I hope it works. Hasn't it? I mean, somebody calls you on the phone and, and tells you about this thing that's going on, and they're serious, man. It's like my, my nephew's in the hospital, and, and they're not quite sure how things are going to go. And what do we do? Oh, man, I hope that works out. Praying has become synonymous with hoping. There is no power in hoping. As a Christian, hoping should be one of those things that does not cross our mind. We should pray. Yeah? We should pray. When someone says to you that something's going on in their life, when someone says to me, this is something I've got to get figured out. When someone says to me, they, they have an issue, I need to be the first person to say, you know what, can I pray for you? Because if, if I hope, it's the same thing as wishing I was a Ferrari, right? It's the same thing as, as there's a good chance that might come out well for you. If it works out, go buy a lottery ticket. If it doesn't, probably don't want to do that. Yeah, might want to let's just leave the lottery tickets at the store. James 5.16 says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. It doesn't say the effective, fervent hoping of a righteous person accomplishes much, right? The effective, fervent prayer because the power is not in the faith. The power is not in the words. The power is not in the prayer. The power is in the Jesus. The power is in the God that we go to. The just shall live by faith. This is another thing that I've, I'm learning. Learning the hard way, right? The just shall live by faith. I have a daughter who uh, a year ago, she, she, was, uh, she had learned to walk and was, was but she didn't learn to walk. She ran she didn't walk anywhere. It was full speed ahead everywhere. And the child could not run in a straight line. It was always meow. I mean, she was just veered off everywhere. And it wasn't too bad until she got to the, the age where she was the height of doorknobs. 
because before she would just kind of glance off a wall and just kind of skate underneath the doorknob. And now she gets to the place where she's, she's old enough and tall enough that she starts running into doorknobs. And me and my wife thought, I wonder if something's wrong with her because she can't go straight. We'll take, let's take her to the doctor. So we take her to the doctor for something else, and we ask the doctor, hey, uh, she, she, she can't go in a straight line. Is that normal? And they're like, ah, she's, she's just fine. Don't worry about it. And we, we were thinking she was impaired. So this is my, my child's impaired. She can't run straight. I think the angels in heaven look down at me sometimes and think the same thing. <laughs> I mean, they're sitting up there, hey, hey, Michael, check this Hodge guy out. He's walking in faith, he's walking in faith, and he's out. He's gone. Oh, he's back up. It's like spiritual narcolepsy. And one minute you're awake, and the next minute, you're gone. Hebrews 11.38 says, the just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7, for we live by faith, not by sight. Back in the 70s, there was a story of a, a, a boy who lived in a bubble. They called him Bubble Boy. Some of you guys might even remember the story, right? Bubble Boy. And um, he had to have oxygen pumped into this big plastic bubble because if he got any germs, they'd just wipe him out. And he lived life for a while in this bubble. And uh, Not to get into a sad story, but spiritually, I think a lot of times we're the same way. We have a, a bubble of life. And we, as Christians, a lot of times in church, we talk about not putting God in a box. Anybody ever heard that fa- phrase before? We don't want to put God in a box, and, and we base our faith on whether God's in the box or out of the box or how big the box is. I mean, we, we'll sit around as pastors and talk for hours about the box. I mean, the, the box. But re- regardless of whether or not our, our, we think we put God in a box or not, we all have our life. It's like a big, big bubble around us. We, we don't necessarily know it's there, but it includes our friends. and our, our, it's, it's our normal perception of reality that's all around us. And at some point in your life, something's going to come along and pop that. It will happen. And there are some denominations that want to... Wanna, Pretend that it doesn't happen, and if it does happen, then it's not God's will, or you're in sin, or whatever. But life is going, you're going, something is going to pop your bubble. I don't even have a bubble anymore. Mine, mine's got duct tape all over it. <laughs> comes back to that scripture, James chapter 1. Dear brothers, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. When your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow. This is the part here that just, that just floors me. Verse 4 says, so let it grow. Because, I, you know, we have a tendency that when our faith is tested, when our bubble's popped, to hunker down and, and get in fetal position and just rock. Oh, God, make it go away. And that's what the author here is saying. Don't do that. Let it grow. Let this be an opportunity for your faith to grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character. Whose character? Jesus' character. And ready for anything. There'll be a time when, as you allow God to test your faith, to shape your faith, to grow your faith in Him, 
Because the power is not in what? Not in the faith. It's in who? It's in God. As we allow God to grow this faith in us, there'll come a point where you're ready for anything. People, Life can come and stick fingers in your bubble all day long, and, and you'll just be like, whatever. Time to pray. And it'll be an opportunity for God to do, do an amazing miracle. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's another passage. Let me give you God's heart on this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm running over a few minutes. hope I'm not killing anybody's plans for turkey or anything. Casino buffet. I tell my children, it's cold outside. Get a coat. And my children run to the car without a coat. It's 40 degrees outside. And they get to the car and are saying they're cold. And I just told them, I know it's cold. I just told you, put on a coat. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. My children, it doesn't please me when they disobey me. But I love my kids. And I want to reassure you that when we do things in life that aren't as faith-filled as our spirit would tell us they should be, that God loves you. There's a passage that I have leaned on heavily over the last seven years that says, when we are faithless, God remains faithful because he will not deny himself. God is the God of everything and everyone, regardless of your perception or your perspective or your turmoil or your trial. He's waiting for you to go to him. So, in the testing of my faith, my daughter was was in the hospital and we had this terrible thing kind of declared over our family. My wife and I, we began to pray and read Psalm 121 over her. And I remember... I don't even, I, I think it was just another hospital room. I kind of made the hospital rooms all my apartment for a while. I went in this room and I remember it being dark and I just remember coming to a place where I decided I am going to pray through this. I made it, there was like a line drawn in the sand of I'm not going to sit here in fetal position and wait to see what happens. I'm going to pray and I'm going to press into God and if if all this stuff that I've heard about God's faithfulness and God's ability to work on my behalf because he loves me and that's the only reason because he loves me then I'm going to press into that and I began at that point this passage in the book of Psalms I think I was flipping through it came to my mind just stuck out and it says something along the lines of um, I look to the mountains where does my help come from it comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Read it, it's a good one. Needless to say, we left the hospital in seven days with our daughter. It was a miracle. It was. The head doctor for the neonatal care unit looked me in the eye as we got ready to walk out the door and he said, I've never ever seen a kid come in here in such bad shape and leave in such good shape. Most of the ones that come in here in the best shape don't even leave in this kind of shape. 
Seven days. Nine days. I was talking to my wife. I thought it was seven. It was nine. Nine days we were gone. And he said, we want to do some testing in a year just to make sure things are normal. And uh, they did some tests, and, and things were perfectly fine. They said, other than a little scar on her head, you'd never know that there's anything wrong with her. Now she's seven, and I'm wondering, <laughs> can I take her back for another test? There's something else you can do. If I can have the worship team there, they're already up here. Where's my worship team at? Come on up here. We're going we're gonna to spend some time worshiping just for a minute. And as we go through this song, I want to challenge you guys. We're going to throw this thing out of the way. If there's something that you're struggling with in your faith, be assured God is on your side. God is on your side. You know, in, in the last, you know, who knows how many years now, a couple of years, you know, with the economy being the way that it is and jobs being the way that they are, life stuff happens. And, and even though things sometimes seem like they're getting better, there's still people out of work. There's people that are, that are going through health issues. There's people that are going through financial issues, marriage issues. It doesn't matter what the thing is that has burst the bubble of your life. It's interesting when, when sometimes we have a tendency when we see somebody that's got a leak in their bubble, we kind of step back from them and go, well, what's wrong with your bubble? Something's not quite right. And we tend to, t- to kind of stray away from them because something's not quite normal. I want to encourage you guys, press into those people. Let's worship. The greatest love Overcame the cross and grave to find my soul Until I see you face to face Grace amazing takes me home I'll trust in you With all I am With all I am I live to see your kingdom come Lord, I pray you let your will be done Until I see you face to face Grace amazing takes me home I'll trust in you I will live I will live to love you I will live to bring child in all of you. You are the voice that calls the universe to be. You are the whisper in my heart that speaks to me. Till I see you face to face, grace amazing takes me home. Trust in you. Declare now. I will live to love you. And I will live to bring you praise. I will live a child in all of 
We're working, we're working. There we go. I'm going to talk to you just one last second about mustard seed faith. Who's heard of mustard seed size faith, right? Mustard seed faith. I'm going to talk to you about where that comes from. This is what mustard seed faith is. When you get to the place where with tears rolling down your cheek and no place else to go but against a wall, seemingly, that you can say, God, I give you glory and praise through this thing. Lord, this seems like an impassable thing. But your word says, with God, all things are possible. And I want to tell you, the greatest praise and the greatest worship comes from people who are being squeezed and pressed by the tests of faith. And it's at the place where where we're, we're in that position of almost defeat. I call it muster faith. Muster seed faith. It's where we have to muster and just squeeze every ounce of, God, I know you can do this out of our own heart. That's that place that Jesus is talking about when he says, it takes faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain. It's not the kind of faith that, 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 that where you say, oh, I've got mustard seed faith. I don't, I don't believe a whole lot, but maybe a little bit. It's cool. Mustard seed faith is when there is no seemingly possible way for you to accomplish this on your own. And you're able to say, God, I trust in you. You have to do this because I cannot. That's when that last squeeze of faith comes out and God and all of heaven says, there it is. And God will level mountains and he will raise valleys on your behalf to show you how faithful he is and those around you. Let's close our eyes and pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your great faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that that you are a faithful God, that you love us so very much. And Lord, I just pray for anyone in here this morning that has never had an opportunity to say, God, will you take this area that I'm struggling with, this insurmountable obstacle, and work in my behalf because I can't. If there's anyone here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus and said, yes, Lord, forgive me for the things that I've done. I want to stand right before God and have a relationship like Noah did where, where he, he walked with God and he talked with God and he had a faith in God that was unshakable. If you're here this morning and, and you want to give your life to Jesus, and you want to say, I need something different. I need faith. I need to have faith in a God that will move mountains in my life. If that's you this morning, will you put your hand up? I want to pray for you. You can leave here this morning knowing that your eternity is secure in heaven, that your sins are forgiven, nothing that you've done. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything's been made new. If you want that this morning, put your hand up. I want to pray for you. See one over here. See you in the back. Anybody else? Give you just about two more seconds. 
If you put your hand up, you need to know your sins are forgiven. It's a fresh start right now. Holy Spirit, we pray you'd come and you'd fill these people. Thank you for your forgiveness and your great grace. I love you, Jesus. And everyone said amen. Well, church, well done, Seth. Thank you so much. Thank you for filling it. As you leave this place this morning, hey, first of all, if you've accepted the Lord today, uh, Pastor Terry has this little packet ready for you. There's one out on the counter out there. Feel free to stop by and get one. Uh, as you go out this week, pray you're not up against that muster place, you know, but we know that they happen. We've learned that this morning, and we know that the Lord promises a smooth landing. I like that part. Yeah. Have a great week. May you always in all things give glory to God. May you always in all things bless his name. Have a great week, church. God bless you.